Privacy Expert. Today we have Dr. Alex Abramson with us, and our, he's going to be talking about oral delivery of insulin and other macromolecule therapeutics using self-orienting pills. Really a fascinating topic. A lot of people have, tr have tried to do oral delivery of insulin and have failed, but this looks very promising. So Dr. Uh, Abrahamson is an assistant professor in the chemical and biomolecular engineering department at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. He received his BS in chemical and biomolecular engineering from Johns Hopkins and his PhD in chemical engineering from MIT under the direction of Dr. Uh, uh, Robert Langer and Giovanni Traverso. He conducted postdoctoral work at Stanford with uh, professors uh, Zahan Bao and the late uh, Sanjeev uh, Gambier. His research, which focuses on drug delivery and bioelectronic therapeutics, has been featured in news outlets such as New York Times, NPR, and Wired. He has received several recognitions for scientific innovation, including being named a member of Forbes 30 Under 30 Science List and being named a NIH um, Ruth L. Kirchstein Research Fellow. He's passionate about translating scientific endeavors from bench to bedside, and recently, Novo Nordisk exclusively licensed a portfolio of his patents to bring into clinical trials. He serves as a scientific advisor overseeing their commercialization, and he plays an active role in his community by leaving, um, leading DEI efforts on campus and volunteering as a STEM tutor to local primary schools. For more information, you can check him out at his website, www.agabramson.com. Welcome, Alex. Thanks so much for joining us. I cannot wait to hear what you've got uh, to share. All right, thank you, Monica, for that kind introduction. And welcome everybody to the seminar. Today, I'm going to be discussing some of my work in oral biologic drug delivery using robotic microneedle capsules. Uh, so I'm sure that this audience is quite aware that uh, injections dominate the lives for patients suffering from diabetes. And so typically when I uh, give this talk, I give it to a group of people who uh, don't necessarily all suffer from diabetes. And I showed this picture on the left-hand side of the screen, which was one of my friends uh, who suffers from type 1 diabetes. Uh, she tracked the number of needles that she uses to inject insulin in a single month. And this was in the month of October. And so she had a pumpkin. And every time that she stuck herself with a needle, she put that needle inside of the pumpkin. And so you can see just how many needles uh, a person um, who suffers from type 1 diabetes uh, can go through in a single month. Uh, and yeah. this really yeah. becomes a significant issue because um, injections, they hurt, uh, they require refrigeration, uh, and they create biohazardous needle waste, which is very difficult to dispose of. It's also so, quite expensive to, you know, buy insulin. Um, and that, uh, you know, the relief that was uh, supposedly going to be coming from our government did not pass. Uh, also, the, I would also just offer that uh, even though insulin is a helpful tool and drug, uh, it is not a, a cure. And it, it also, it does not ensure um, normal management of insulin levels and uh, in these patients. So they're constantly, even though they're injecting their insulin, it's a constant roller coaster of blood sugars and those, uh, the results that come with those. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, uh, one of the greatest alternatives to injections that most patients prefer are pills. Uh, they reduce stigma associated with the medication, and they also improve patients' quality of life. Uh, unfortunately, for patients who suffer from type 1 diabetes, uh, there aren't a lot of pills that are available uh, to be taken. Patients who suffer from type 2 diabetes, uh, they can take 
alternatives um, to insulin and the forms of pills, uh, but these pills are less effective at controlling their disease. And so the ultimate goal is to create an insulin pill uh, and a pill that can deliver all the types of biologic drugs that need to be delivered to help manage uh, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. This has been an, uh, an incredibly difficult problem, though. And so for the past 100 years, patients and healthcare uh, professionals and scientists have tried to figure out a way to orally deliver insulin. However, diffusion and degradation limit the uptake of insulin in the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, so insulin is a macromolecule protein, uh, which means that it's much larger than typical small molecule drugs that need to, that are typically ingested, such as aspirin. Uh, so aspirin is very easily able to pass through the tight junctions of the stomach wall and into the bloodstream. But because insulin is much larger, it makes it much more difficult for it to pass through those junctions and into the bloodstream in the gastrointestinal tract. Additionally, the stomach has a lot of enzymes uh, present that break down food. But those same enzymes that break down food also break down the insulin uh, into much smaller pieces called amino acids, uh, which don't actually give you the therapeutic effect that insulin would give. So in order to prevent these types of uh, degradation and also increase the amount of diffusion of insulin into the bloodstream, uh, scientists have tried a lot of different approaches in the past. Uh, one of them has been creating a nanoparticle that encapsulates the insulin and helps to allow it to go through those tight junctions. Another one is creating a mucus adhesive patch that puts that insulin right at the, um, the wall of the tissue, trying to enhance the diffusion through the tissue. Uh, and most recently, um, Scientists at Nova Nordisk created a permeation-enhancing tablet that allows for the delivery of a GLP-1 receptor agonist, which is particularly great for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so this is an oral semaglutide tablet that you take, just like a normal pill, and it enhances the permeation through uh, the stomach wall. Uh, however, there are a lot of problems with these particular types of drug delivery systems. Uh, for example, if you're delivering a permeation enhancer uh, into that pill, uh, that permeation enhancer takes up a lot of area in the pill, and you oftentimes need to deliver a lot more enhancer than you deliver drug, which makes that tablet much more expensive. Uh, to give you an idea of just how much drug an enhancer needs to be delivered in the oral form versus the injection, uh, a semaglutide injection requires a half a milligram to a milligram per week, whereas an, an oral pill requires anywhere between 100 and 280 milligrams per week of the drug and 3,000 milligrams of that permeation enhancer in order to be just as effective as that half a milligram injection. And so while this type of permeation enhancing drug works well for a really potent drug like semaglutide, uh, insulin, which requires a slightly higher dose, it would mean that you need to take a lot of tablets in order to get an equivalent dose uh, to an injection. It just really isn't practical for patients uh, in this way. Additionally, there's been a lot of work in mice and small animal models trying to create a new type of pill. Uh, but one of the issues is translating these drug delivery systems from mice to humans. Uh, there's a significantly different relationship uh, in the diffusion pathway. Uh, so mice have a much tinier gastrointestinal tract, which means it's much easier for those uh, drugs to pass through the tissue walls than it would be in humans, which have a much larger gastrointestinal tract. Yeah, surface to volume ratio. Exactly. Um, and so uh, one thing that I want to really hit home is that the delivery of protein drugs requires a high bioavailability to be practical. Uh, so as I mentioned, right, semaglutide, it's a very potent drug. And so they're able to replace a weekly injection with just one pill per day. 
Uh, and what does the word bioavailability mean? It means the amount of drug that's able to enter into your bloodstream compared to the amount of drug that you're actually taking in your tablets. And so if you have a 1% bioavailability, which is approximately what these pills have, that means that 1% of the drug that you're taking is actually being active inside of your system. Let's talk about a different type of drug though, um, another type of biologic drug that is often injected. Uh, this one isn't particularly for insulin, um, but it's used a lot in rheumatoid arthritis and other inflammatory diseases. It's called adalimumab. Uh, and so it, this drug is typically given once every other week as an injection, but to replace this particular injection pen uh, with the same type of drug as a semaglutide pill, uh, you would require hundreds of uh, pills per week. And just to give you an idea of how many pills per day that is, uh, it's about 30 to 40 pills per day. Uh, insulin lies somewhere in between the dosage of semaglutide and adalimumab, but it would still require multiple, multiple pills per day uh, if you were just relying on this technology that exists currently. So what uh, we thought is how do we increase this level of bioavailability? How do we increase the amount of drug that's loaded into the pill that actually uh, gets into the bloodstream? And what we realized is that injections can deliver drugs to the gut with a quite high bioavailability. And so this has been done consistently uh, in endoscopies. And so whenever a patient undergoes an endoscopy and they need to get a polyp removed um, from their gastrointestinal tract, uh, an injection of saline will be made along with some epinephrine uh, into that spot. Mm -hmm. And that epinephrine has an extremely high bioavailability. Um, and so what did we learn from this? Well, we can get a high delivery efficiency if we're able to deliver injections into the gut. Uh, the other thing that's really important is that when you deliver this microneedle injection into the gut, there aren't any painful sensations. And so why are there no painful sensations in the gut, whereas when you inject into your skin, you feel a lot of pain? Well, the pain receptors are very different in these two areas. Think about when you swallow a large piece of meat that you haven't really chewed quite well. You can feel it passing through your esophagus, but you never really feel it land in your stomach. And that's because there aren't those types of receptors in your stomach your small intestine and your colon that there are inside of other areas of your body. And moreover, when we do make this microneedle injection, there's very rapid tissue regeneration. Uh, so the stomach, the small intestine and the colon, uh, they're able to regenerate their tissue quite rapidly. And so a small prick uh, actually heals uh, very, very quickly inside of the gastrointestinal tract, much more quickly compared to how it does on the skin. So can I just interrupt for a second when you're talking about delivering drugs to the gut? Um, which area? I mean, are you talking about the stomach versus the small intestine? Um, they're vastly different in their environments, right? Yes, that's actually what I'm about to talk about. Where, okay. where do we actually deliver these drugs? Okay, uh, And so uh, what are the best organs to target? Uh, well, the first organ after the mouth is the esophagus, uh, but this one's particularly difficult to target because as you pass a drug through the esophagus, it's, uh, it's only there for a very short period of time. Uh, the next area is the stomach. And so the stomach is really the ideal area to be targeting here because you have a long time that your pill sits in the stomach, anywhere between 30 minutes and several hours, which gives you enough time to actually deliver that drug. Um, but additionally, the stomach has a very thick tissue wall, which means that if you are delivering a microneedle injection, uh, it's not going to have a risk of perforating that tissue. And so that's where we actually focused our work on. Uh, we created a pill that's able to deliver a microneedle injection to the stomach, and we call that pill the self-orienting millimeter scale applicator, or SOMA system for short, and that's what I'm going to spend most of my time 
uh, in this talk on. I do want to briefly discuss uh, a pill that we deliver that we created to deliver into the small intestine. Uh, that one's called the luminal unfolding microneedle injector. And you can see that's a very different device uh, than the one that's delivers to the stomach. And that's because it has a lot of different problems that are associated with delivering to the small intestine. Uh, and so if you're really interested in that, uh, I recommend that you uh, read the paper that we published in Nature Medicine. Um, but for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to focus on uh, the soma system. I also wanted to note that there are a lot of other um, devices that are ingestible in this space. Uh, for example, Ronnie Therapeutics, uh, BioGrail, and other academic labs as well are, are creating really cool devices for the oral delivery of macromolecule drugs. So the stomach is uh, a very difficult organ to reach the tissue wall. If you think about the stomach, it's quite large. Uh, and so we need to be able to, once this device is ingested, it needs to localize to the tissue wall. And so we did that by creating a device that's slightly heavier than food and water, uh, meaning that when it's ingested, if there is food and water in the stomach, it falls to the bottom of the stomach. The next thing that we needed to make sure of, though, is that our injection mechanism was always facing towards the tissue wall. Uh, because if you deliver a pill, you don't necessarily know what orientation it's going to fall in inside of the stomach. And so what we did to create uh, a self-orienting pill um, is that we created a pill that has a very weighted bottom uh, and a light top, very similar to a Weeble Wobble toy. And so whenever it's pushed over, it only has one stable configuration. And so it will wobble a little bit and reorient itself so that that injection mechanism is always facing towards the tissue. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that self-orienting, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the injection mechanism. And finally, I'm going to talk about the formulation of the drug that we're doing. So uh, how does this device self-orient exactly? Well, it's inspired by the leopard tortoise. Uh, so the leopard tortoise not only is able to easily reorient itself, but also it has a shape that is able to resist being pushed over by a prey. Uh, so you can see that it has a very pointed top and has a very flat bottom. A pointed top destabilizes the orientation where it's flipped upside down, but that flat bottom allows it to make sure that it isn't pushed over easily by predators. So our SOMA system is very similar in shape, but it's actually optimized to prevent being pushed over by stomach contractions rather than a predator, and to be able to orient itself to its preferred configuration in the stomach rather than on land. So here you can see uh, one of our pills. It's about the size of a blueberry, and it's very easily able to orient itself from any direction. Uh, so in order to get this optimized shape for the stomach, uh, we used angular kinematic equations uh, and computational optimization tools, um, basically very similar to Newton's laws of motion. And we also used high-speed photography to validate that this um, particular shape is able to orient extremely quickly inside of the stomach. So you can see in the high-speed photography images on the top right-hand corner of the screen that the pill is able to reorient itself uh, within less than 100 milliseconds from almost any potential orientation that it lands in. So it extremely rapidly, basically with a snap. Next, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the actuation mechanism that we're using to deliver the drug into the tissue. Uh, and so you can see from the uh, animation on the right-hand side is that we're actually using uh, something that's very similar to a miniaturized version of an injection pen. Uh, so we have a compressed spring, and then we have an actuation mechanism uh, that's made of a dissolvable sugar glass. So when the person ingests the pill, uh, the hydration present inside of the stomach causes that sugar glass to dissolve. And when that sugar glass dissolves enough, 
the spring opens up, uh, decompresses, and it allows for the injection of that drug into the tissue wall. And so depending on how thick of a coating that we make the sugar glass, we're able to time how long it takes um, for this injection mechanism to actuate. Uh, so what you can see from our modeling and also from some experiments is that we're able to delay the injection um, about three to four minutes uh, following the initial ingestion of the pill. Uh, so that means that after a person swallows this pill, it has enough time to pass through the esophagus, reach the bottom of the stomach, orient itself, and then uh, finally it's able to inject into the tissue wall. Uh, here you can see uh, some slow motion, high-speed photography of what it looks like when this uh, injection mechanism uh, pushes that microneedle into the stomach tissue. Uh, so what's really important here is that we're able to uh, effectively deliver insulin uh, into the bloodstream. So you can see on the right-hand side uh, is the delivery of an insulin microneedle. So this particular microneedle is made completely out of insulin. And so when it's injected into the tissue wall, it dissolves and it's taken up into the bloodstream. And we're able to get an equivalent profile delivery of insulin compared to an injection of the same formulation of the drug. Uh, so here we're using a solid formulation, which is really great for long acting insulin because it delivers very slowly over a long period of time. Uh, but we're also able to deliver rapid acting insulin as well. Uh, and we do this by delivering a liquid formulation rather than a solid formulation. And the reason that a liquid formulation is able to deliver more quickly is because it spreads out a lot throughout this layer of tissue that's highly vascularized called the submucosa of the stomach. And that allows for all of the drug to be taken up within minutes following an injection. So what you can see here uh, is that we have a slightly different uh, method for delivering the drug. Uh, but what's important is that we're delivering that microneedle first into the tissue then we're dosing the drug. Uh, and finally, because this one uses a metal microneedle, we retract that needle back into the pill uh, and the pill passes through the body. Uh, this is what uh, it looks like inside of a large animal model. Uh, so you can see that our microneedle has inserted into the tissue uh, and you can see through fluoroscopy imaging that we're delivering dye uh, into that submucosal layer of the stomach. Uh, there's a small microhemorrhage that's created uh, following the delivery of this injection. Uh, and that had to do with the, um, the fact that we were moving that pill around uh, to get a good image. Uh, but sometimes this does occur. That microhemorrhage is able to heal itself within hours uh, following the injection. And then we have the retraction of the needle as well. Uh, and so this retraction occurs uh, approximately a minute following uh, the initial uh, injection of the drug. And uh, just to show you uh, the amount of damage that's caused to the tissue. Uh, you can barely see it if you zoom out, but if you zoom in a little bit, uh, so a few hours following the injection, you get uh, a little bit of sloughing of the very top layer of tissue, uh, but there is no hole inside of the tissue. Um, and all of this uh, heals completely within 24 hours uh, following the injection. So this is about uh, a few hours following the injection, but uh, all of this goes away. Yeah, and I can see your you know, it's, it's like a one millimeter, it's a tiny, it's a tiny section. But when you're talking about this, um, you're adding in, if this was a patient, for instance, this would be, um, and I, you're probably going to get to this, that they're, the dosing, what would the dosing be? And then, like, if this is happening every day for years, is there a risk of any kind of, um, you know, insult to that uh, mucosa? 
Yeah, so uh, what we've done is long-term studies um, looking at uh, just small amounts of injections. Uh, another study that we're performing right now is what happens if we are chronically injecting uh, right. into that mucosa. Like so that's something that we I have did. one scenario. Yeah, so that's something that's being looked at um, in some of the, the human trials that we're performing. I see. Uh, so the other thing that you mentioned is the dose. Uh, so what's really important, interesting about this system is that it has a wide variety of uh, dosing capabilities, not just in terms of the amount that it can deliver, uh, but also the types of drug that it can deliver. Uh, so right now we're focusing a lot on, on insulin um, because this is uh, for, for type 1 diabetes patients. Uh, but I wanted to emphasize that it can deliver any type of macromolecular drug, uh, anywhere uh, from something as small as epinephrine uh, to as large as adalimumab, and it can even deliver mRNA uh, which is the active ingredient in a lot of the COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I mentioned that we can deliver rapid-acting insulin. Uh, and so uh, what we're able to do in our large animals is we delivered mealtime human insulin. And what's really impressive here is that we're able to reach a peak concentration of human insulin and get blood glucose lowering effects uh, within minutes following our injection. And in fact, the, um, the rapid-acting insulin inside of our capsule actually acts faster uh, than the traditional subcutaneous injection of insulin. Interesting. We're also able to deliver uh, long-acting drugs uh, like GLP-1 receptor agonists uh, that have an extremely long half-life, and we're able to deliver uh, enough dose that we can have a week-long uh, efficacy period. Uh, we're able to deliver large doses of monoclonal antibodies as well, uh, and we're able to get uh, fast-acting epinephrine uh, to deliver into the body as well. Uh, so here we deliver uh, four units of insulin uh, to the same large animal models uh, over a multi-day dosing period. Uh, and so this kind of gets at your question in terms of the safety of delivering it multiple days in a row and the ability for us to repeat the delivery of insulin uh, at the same level of drug uh, day after day. And so you can see from this particular study, we deliver three days in a row uh, and we see very similar uptake of insulin um, in these swine uh, over those multiple days, as well as uh, blood glucose lowering effects. Mm -hmm. uh, and so after the study, uh, we performed some safety analysis looking at uh, the follow-up of what happens at the, of these injections uh, after multiple days of delivery. And we saw uh, basically that only the, um, the dose that we delivered on that particular day uh, had any sort of effect uh, of, of uh, damage on the tissue and the other areas had healed almost completely and we were unable to find damage on the tissue. That's good news. And then I also wanted to highlight that uh, we're able to deliver mRNA as well. Uh, and so this is the first time to my knowledge uh, that we had a, an oral delivery of mRNA uh, into a large animal model with a significant uptake profile. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to highlight is the excretion of this pill. Uh, because it is made of some non-degradable materials, uh, it's important that it doesn't cause an obstruction in the gastrointestinal tract. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the ability to excrete versus um, having an obstruction inside of the GI tract is highly dependent on the size of the capsule. But what's really important to note here is that there are already approved daily dosed systems um, that are ingestible and non-degradable. Uh, these are called uh, the Oro systems, uh, they're osmotic pump capsules, uh, and they have um, very low obstruction rates uh, on the order of uh, less than one in, in 10 million. 
Uh, this compares to a pill cam, uh, which is what a lot of people are familiar with in terms of non-degradable pills, uh, which is much larger. Uh, and so this is a, a video endoscopy system. It has a much higher rate of retention because it's a much larger pill. And so uh, we made sure that our pill that we developed is on the same size as those FDA-approved daily dose systems uh, rather than as large as the pill cam. So it's like a centimeter? Yeah, it's about a centimeter. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I like to say it's about the size of a, a small blueberry. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, did several tests uh, in both uh, swine and canines, uh, and we saw that Soma system is able to pass through uh, the gastrointestinal tract even when an entire week's worth is delivered uh, at once to a particular animal. And so the swine has a very slow gastrointestinal emptying, uh, which is why it takes multiple days for it to pass through uh, the, the, the system and be excreted. Uh, but what's important is that even though the swine has a very slow GI tract, uh, all of those pills are still excreted. Um, in dogs, uh, the excretion occurs much more quickly. Humans have a GI tract that uh, allows for excretion kind of in between swine and dogs. And so if you test in both animal models and you see excretion, uh, you would expect it in humans. Uh, and that's something that we're looking at in our human trials as well. So I don't want to give just a quick overview of the talk. Uh, so the, the things that I want to highlight is that the SOMA pills yield equivalent biologic drug uptake to a subcutaneous injection, meaning that you're able to get the same insulin profile if you deliver via our pill versus if you deliver via an injection pad. Uh, the SOMA systems are also um, made of a lot less material, which means that there's less impact to the environment uh, and the cost of assembling these pills uh, is very similar to the cost of assembling. Uh, they also are able to deliver reliably and precisely. So we've tested these, um, these pills in dozens of animal models now, uh, and we see that we have a very high rate of delivery. So there are a couple of limitations. Uh, one is that it's made of a non-degradable shell, which means that it needs to be excreted. Uh, and currently we're getting a delivery rate of about 90%. Um, something that's good about insulin is that you're able to know almost immediately whether or not you got a delivery based on your blood glucose lowering effects. Uh, and so if it didn't work within the first 10 minutes, uh, you'd be able to take another pill if this didn't work. Uh, additionally, we're looking at uh, ways for the pill to signal uh, to a cell phone app whether or not it delivered effectively. And the last limitation is that it does cause a micro hemorrhage and that's something that We've explored in animal models and we're continuing to explore in humans uh, as to whether or not it causes any sort of uh, significant long-term effects. And so with that, in the last few minutes, I would be happy to take any questions. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and thank you for, you know, kind of walking, um, you know, sort of a little bit of a pitch deck slash, you know, scientific audience-based uh, presentation, but that works because we often have a lot of VC kind of moving through our our rooms and listening to our presentations. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's the dosing strategy for like a type one with um, this system? Would it be just sort of like on demand? You have, uh, you know, you're gonna eat your lunch and so I'm gonna take one or two of these pills. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, it has to be like dose for weight and stuff like that. Yeah, so the way that these pills would be designed is that they would be preloaded with a certain amount of units of insulin. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can load anything as small as two units and anything as large as 100 units of insulin mm -hmm. uh, into one of these capsules. 
Uh, and so a patient would take a pill associated with the amount that they would expect to need to take, uh, very similar to dialing up an injection pad. Okay, great. And then um, in terms of like, you could potentially also sort of dial in to your long acting insulin, right? If someone's on shots, they have to take their long acting insulin and sort of in the background. Um, so that could also be delivered by this system. Absolutely, yeah. We have uh, enough capacity in the system to allow for the delivery of long-acting insulin as well. And so that would be taken, for example, in the morning uh, with a single pill. Got it. And then what's the, uh, the patient response? I mean, you guys are doing clinical trials, right, with humans now, but, and I would encourage people to take a, a look at those. But what is, the, uh, what is the feedback from patients in terms of like their the palatability of this? Like, are they okay with this? Or what are they feeling? Like, oh yeah, I'd rather do this or this pill is bigger. I don't know. What, what's been the feedback? Yeah, so we're not able to discuss uh, our particular clinical trials yet because um, the, the data is still being analyzed. Right. Uh, but right. there have been lots of surveys done in this area as to yes. whether patients would prefer pills over injections. Uh, in particular, one of them was done by a competitor of this pill. Uh, Ronnie Therapeutics, uh, and they've showed that patients widely would prefer uh, a pill delivery system compared to an injection. Yeah, well, I mean, this is really fascinating, and um, I really. Wh when's the uh, when's your first uh, end date on your your first human trial coming up, so we can all be looking for it? Yeah, so. Um, we're, we're still in the process of analyzing the data and uh, we'll hopefully be publishing that data very soon. I don't have an exact date for it. Um, All part. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're working on it. Okay, good. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I would just suggest that people be looking um, into the journals for the, for the paper. And um, this looks very promising. It's a really interesting approach. Um, it's very different. Um, but you've sort of built it on the back of pre-existing technologies. So um, I really, really look forward to seeing what comes next. And the fact that you've got a validation piece by partnering with Novo is also uh, something significant. So uh, congratulations. And thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, and I'm certain that uh, people will be quite interested to listen to it uh, on demand. All right, great. Thank you very much. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day.